Luton Town look to bounce back when the biggest club in the world come to Kenworth Road on Sunday afternoon. It's Luton Town against Manchester United. Alongside me to preview the game, I've got the Lutonian journalist James Cunliffe and Luton-born actor Sam Gittins is back alongside us for this one as well. Gents, much more positive for this preview episode. You ready to do it? Yeah, absolutely. We'll preview the big game after this intro. Hello everyone, welcome along to another episode of the Luton Town Supporters Trust podcast. As I said before the intro, we are previewing the big game against Manchester United and I've got James and I've got Sam alongside me uh, once again. Sam, I'll come to you first. When the fixture list came out at the start of the season, we were all looking at certain games. Manchester United at home was one that jumped out, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the bigger the team that comes to Luton, the, the more... I feel the more positive I feel about it for some reason. Even when City came to town, I just think we play well against big teams, particularly in our own backyard. Yeah, I quite agree. Jimbo, Sky done us a favour because this was going to be Saturday at three o'clock. We're actually at that time of year now where three o'clock's quite bright in the afternoon. But I looked earlier on and about around about just after five, the darkness was starting to set in again. The lights are going to take full effect. If, they, if they're not there right at the start of the game, they'll be certainly be there by half time. Might play right into our hands, that one. I don't know about times and dates and stuff, but I don't want another 3pm library like it was against Sheffield United. So yeah, the later the better. Yeah, funny feeling it's not going to be a library uh, in this one, that is for sure. At Manchester United, then we'll start with those. Is it, and I'll stick with you, Jay, is it going to be slightly against us that they came down here in the Carabao Cup two or three seasons ago, or the fact that that was during COVID and they didn't really get the full Kenny experience? Does that not make much difference? I mean, they I think they were changing in the John Moore Lounge back then or the Nico in bar or something like that but obviously it was sterile it was dead they beat us 3-0 completely different this time or will that play a fact that some of their players do at least know what to expect oh no completely different if we get it right and it's a proper raucous atmosphere against them and let's hope it is then it'd be completely different and I wouldn't mind it if we could uh, arrange for them to get changed in the John Moore again though whatever that <laughs> that will put the um that might put the mockers on them a little bit, but um, they're a different team, different manager. Um, yeah, they've got some of the some of the same players, but um, they were argu- arguably uh, in better form back then in in that season than they are now. I know they've picked up recently and obviously had a very good winning at Aston Villa, whose um, home fortress seems to be crumbling a little bit. Mm. Um, and so, you know, full credit to them there, but. You know, they've had nine defeats this season and that's not a Manchester United that many recognise, probably even particularly their fans. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I was watching that Aston Villa game on Sunday, Sam, and um, it flashed up their record away from home against the top teams is terrible, which kind of suggests that they're not too bad against the, the lower sides. But 
this will be a different experience. They're not going to be walking through the main stand to get to the pitch like they did last time. Obviously, mm. it's all going to be all of that. But Jose Mourinho, I think, was their manager when they came down here last time, which goes to show how long ago it was. Do yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure it was Mourinho. Was that the 3-0? I thought it was Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, wasn't it? Was it? Yeah, I don't remember. I didn't genuinely didn't think he was there that long. No idea. Yeah, we lost, no, we lost 3-0, didn't we? We did lose 3-0, We were in the yeah. game for a little while, if I remember. We were. It was 1-0 until late, wasn't it? And then they yeah. brought Rashford on and That's right. Rashford scored a couple of goals. But mm. the kind of, the way I'm leaning is their away form isn't spectacular, albeit oh. it's slightly better against the teams lower down the league. Absolutely, yeah. It, it You know, and, that, and that's to be expected. Um, you know, with, with Man United, they're, they're always going to be convinced that they should be beating teams in the lower half of their league. But... Having said that, they're not. It's not a sturdy vessel that they've got at the minute. It's certainly something that seems to be up and down. And yeah, they've hit a little bit of form the last couple of games. West Ham aren't playing particularly well, as you say. Villa's home record's crumbling a little bit. I, I think we're you know forget Sheffield United. I think we're improving every game. And let's remember at their gaff, it was only one 0 and they were lackluster. I, I, I think they're going to struggle when they come down to the Kelly. That's what we got Sam on the podcast for. Uh, Man United's bit of blind optimism. <laughs> <laughs> like, you were right to bring up that Sheffield United game, though, because James, this is going to be completely different. There's no two banks of four sat in, sat on the edge of the penalty box here, and uh, there is no Manchester United fan in the world that will accept Manchester United going and parking a bus at Kenilworth Road. Just not going to happen. So Eric Ten Hag is going to be forced to, even if it's only playing sort of counter-attacking football, they're still going to have to be further up the pitch. So this is going to be more your Brighton, Chelsea, Newcastle home game than it is your Sheffield United home game. I would certainly hope so. I mean, it's, they're a much better side um, and they'll, they'll want attacking football. That's what their whole history has been built on. And so the fans will demand it. The fans will be in the stadium unlike the last time. But Lewin just play better against these sides that will want to play football. Um and that's it is it's kind of no disrespect to Sheffield United. United they they came and did a job. They did what they had to do, and Luton found that very difficult. They yeah. found it very difficult against Burnley at home, and that's something that is probably the next stage of the evolution for Luton and how they're going to be able to, to uh, address those challenges when they come. But when they're playing the Manchester United to the world, they're firmly the underdog, uh, and almost the shackles will be off a little bit. And I think that that will play into Luton's hands and. They'll be able to stretch the pitch a little bit more. It'll open up a little bit more than it did against Sheffield United, that's for sure, absolutely. And if you start with intensity, which wasn't there against the Blades, mm. then I think that puts Man United on the back foot and they won't like it. It's bounce back time as well for us, isn't it? it it's tight. We, whenever we, we react so well when we lose, we react so well. We're going to come out kicking and screaming, that's for sure. And everyone was saying... It's so Luton to go and lose against Sheffield United after this form. But why can't it be so Luton to do that against Sheffield United and then go and take a scalp like Manchester United? Yeah. Why not? Absolutely. It's doable. Yeah, I absolutely love Sam Point. These players don't need telling. There's a few things these players don't need telling. They don't need telling when they've been crap. They know it. They alluded to it in the Sheffield United review the podcast, the two that we heard from. And they don't need telling to be up for big games. They're naturally up for big games. And so we've got two of these things. I always think back to the times, certainly under Nathan, but probably more under Nathan because we haven't really been crap under Rob Edwards very often. But under Nathan, whenever we was crap, we always won the next game. 
even like going further back to Graham Jones, we mentioned it, didn't we? When we got back at seven at Brentford, we went and won the next game. And that's a real thing about these boys. When they know they've let themselves down, not just the fans, themselves down, more importantly, they just bounce back the following week. And that's not, I'm not saying that we're going to beat Man United, but we're going to put in a hell of a lot better performance than what we did against Sheffield United. It's almost a given that part of it. Yeah, 100%. It is. It's a given that we're going to perform better than that. And and I I think we all can trust in Robbie and the boys that, that they are going to turn up. I think we're going to beat them. Keep your score prediction till the end, though. I will do. We'll wait. We'll wait for that. Yeah. You mentioned the away game earlier on. Rasmus Hoyland missed an absolute sitter in the first five minutes of that yeah. game, but since then he's kind of come alive. I think he scored in his last four, might even be five Premier League games. So suddenly he's more of a threat to look after in this game than what he would have been in that game. Uh, so, so whoever it is, that centre person of the three, and we'll come onto the Luton team selection shortly. They've really got to make sure they know where he is at all times. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. He's 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 hitting form. But again, we're going to say this about quite a lot of the United players. They're saying they're hitting form. They're, they're having a good couple of games at the moment, and there's no disrespect for Man United. I, I've always been quite fond of them as a, as a club. Um, but I I don't think we can call it hitting form until it's three or four games deep, and they're still doing it. Yeah, that's fair enough. That is a, that's a fair call. Hoyland threat. Uh, yeah, he's definitely a threat. I mean, I mean, he should be for the price tag. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, but they've got players like all half their squad. Well, most of their squad cost more than the entire Luton squad altogether, and that's not unusual in this league, is it? The expectation will be on there that they'll they'll come and uh, and he'll continue that vein of scoring that he's on. But I, I point you to Mohamed Salah being kept quiet here. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Manchester City largely being kept quiet. Um, Arsenal, you know, the list goes on. All these big teams that have come here and found it very difficult. Mm. And that's not because it's, it's not a fluke when it's been that many. It's because of the way Luton have attacked those games. And I think this is another one of those. And uh, uh, and if you're looking for blessings in disguise, as much as we didn't like it, maybe that Sheffield United defeat is the kick up the bum that, that gets you back on the on the horse, so to speak, and, and changes that. Yeah, indeed. I mean, the crazy thing is if at the turn of the year someone said you were going to get three points from Man United and Sheffield United, you'd have taken them. Yeah. Just so happens that it might come through Man United rather than Sheffield United yeah. and not the route that you necessarily think. So if we do win on Sunday, we'll put that Sheffield United game to bed immediately. That's, um, that's think, for sure. I think we're about 20. I think just after... Um, Christmas I said uh, I, I worked out average we'd probably need about 27 points more points to stay up and I think we're already now we need maybe another 20 I think it is since then so you know we're we're doing okay points wise I think yeah no, I would agree with that certainly enough games against teams that we need to beat uh, coming up um, and you know if we can win this one then happy days if we do win this one you Got to think we'll have had to have kept Marcus Rashford quiet. If he wants to pop down on the old tequila bars in Luton the night before the game yeah. and miss this one, that would be rather handy, uh, a la Newport. But um, he's not an England international for no reason. And it was him coming on in that Carabao Cup game that just finished us off, really. Yeah, I, I really admire Rashford, particularly in an England shirt. And, and I think he's a, he's a really good young lad um, from what I've seen of him and some of the work he does in his communities. I think he's had a bit of a bad rap recently. 
I mean, he's 26. He went out for a, a drink. He's had quite a stressful time at the club. I think they probably all have. I think he'll be coming with something to prove, which is quite terrifying. Um, and yeah, yeah, he's definitely one we've got to look out for. We need to stick someone on him and, and make sure we're not letting too much space in behind because he'll he love that. He should be Ross Barkley's England compatriot in the summer because Rashford's one of Gareth's favourites. Um, but we don't really need to alert Gareth to the situation that Rashford's back into form on Sunday, do we? We need to, whoever it is down that right-hand side, and again, we'll come on to that in a minute, needs to be at their best because generally when he's good, United are good. He is, but he also, I feel, is quite prone to frustration. And if you can deliver that and get under his skin a little bit, then it leaves him out of the game slightly. And I think that's a distinct possibility. If Gareth Southgate, by the way, wants to be at Kenilworth Road, no chance. About, but about the only bloody time he is down there, he might see some decent Luton Town players that might make him think twice. But um, yeah, Rashford's, I think he's better in an England shirt than he is in a Man United shirt. But they've had so many different chopping and changes and managers and stuff. And um, yeah, you know, he's, he's had that period where everybody loved him and then out of favour then he's like that like you say he's in in the bars for all hours of the night which um if they all want to do that i can show you a few places in luton if you want to yeah. drink jesus if they want to do that i'll buy them around it's not a, <laughs> yeah it's absolutely not a problem as long as you stay late stay well, late i think rashford can probably afford to buy us around well, three or four hundred grand a week is he you'd, you'd like to hope he can. yeah that is <laughs> yeah that is for sure uh, yeah i mean gareth was a uh, Villa Park on Sunday watching Man United, so he's not going to be at Kenilworth Road watching Man United, is he? He's already got his excuses in for that one. Absolutely determined not to come anywhere near uh, LU1, isn't he? He's he's actually seen less at Kenilworth Road than those iPads that were um, finally started working in the Sheffield United game. Um, he might want to go at LU4 as well, since that's where they're well, I, was thinking, <laughs> I was thinking it, but I didn't say anything. Yeah, I was, I was along those lines. I did that power court, yours. Yeah, yeah was, it was, it'll probably come when we're there. I, I didn't want to mug you off. I was, thinking, <laughs> I was thinking of the bars I was going to take him to. Fair enough. LU1. Might want to steer clear of there if that's where Jimbo's going to be, but, you know. Um, for all Hoyland, Rashford, Garnacho, Fernandez, and all of these other attacking players that they have, I think it's actually Scott McTominay who's their top scorer. Now, he didn't even start against Aston Villa on Sunday, but he still came off the bench to score the winner. Generally, when I see him score, though, he scores aerial goals. He scored a header against Aston Villa. And I remember a couple of set-piece goals that he scored earlier in the season in the same game. I think it was against Brentford, but... Don't quote me on that. If I'm wrong, United fans, I apologise, but it is in one of the games. But that's fine, Bobias, isn't it? Because we generally defend set pieces pretty well, so we'd probably be okay with that. Yeah, I mean, look, if if, if we if they come down and don't score, I'll be very surprised. Um, but we defend set pieces really well, um, and, and we've got a good track record of, of, of defending corners and free kicks over this season. And I think... I think he can be kept quite. He's dangerous everywhere, though, isn't he? He plays a nice pass. He can shoot. He can shoot from outside the box. He, he's a, he's a really clever, clever player. It's just going to be about. It's just going to be about having someone tight to him whenever he's on the ball, which is easier said than done, of course it is. But um, again, another thing we're great at is holding shape, shepherding players away from goal, and making sure that the danger isn't going to isn't going to come on top of us every single time they attack. Yeah, I would agree. 
and of course it might be that McTominay doesn't start because one reason why Southgate might be at Luton on Sunday uh, is to watch um, Kobe Mainu, who's supposedly in line for a Euro call-up way, way, way too soon for that. But uh, he's one player that could be watching and also Casemiro's back. So it might just be that McTominay's not got a space in the side, even though he is mm. one of the best, one of their better scorers. Yeah, I, I, from all the sort of stories you hear, you, you kind of feel that even though he barely played, that Kobe Maynard is going to be picked well ahead of Ross Barkley, regardless of how good Ross Barkley is. Um, and that's probably why we won't win anything in the in the summer. And if you if we do, then you can gladly clip this up and <laughs> post it all over the place because I'll be drunk. Um, <laughs> okay, but uh, <laughs> yeah. And and the bad news is we've got two more years of Gareth as well. So the papers will tell you. Mm, I think that's, yeah. I, oh, he, I, needs, I, he needs to win the thing and then give him an extra contract. Yeah. And if he doesn't, he needs to be out on his ear. Well, you mentioned before Rashford plays better for his country than he does his club. That was the same with Maguire. That was the same with a lot of these boys. Because what Gareth's done really well is bring them all together and they love playing for England. What he's never done, and I I, I think I'm being honest here, if, if a little bit disrespectful, I apologise, but he's never outmanaged another manager he's never been a tactician and I mean look at the Italy final yeah they figured out what we were doing changed and it. changed it we did nothing and we've never done anything but anyway this isn't the England podcast no, is it? disrespectful to Gareth we'd yeah. never be that on this podcast of course not no. um, <laughs> well welcome you're welcome in the Luton yeah open arms mate Come yeah down. never be disrespectful if you actually turned up to a Luton game Gareth that is <laughs> that is for sure they're your chief United threats of course there's threats all over the park you know whoever the 10 outfield players are they're going to be threats this is Manchester United after all how do we go about this then team wise do you see any changes to the 11 that played against Sheffield United? I guess the automatic thought process would be Ted and Mengi yeah. against his former club who sold him for a stupidly low amount. And why they even sold him at all, I've absolutely no idea. When I watched their defence, they were so bad. You would imagine he would come back into the side. So therefore, would you bring him in? First of all, would you bring him in, Sam? And then would you bring him in directly for Burke or in light of the fact that Osho's been taken on a couple of times recently, is it time to maybe give Gabe a bit of a rest? Maybe he just needs that rest. Yeah, that's a really interesting um, point. I, I think I think I'm, I'm going to direct swap him for Berg. I, I just think Ted and, and, and Osho do play well together um, when they get to. <laughs> I know they've they both been in and out a little bit. Uh, in terms of changes, I can't really see many changes coming other than that. I, personally, I'd like to see Townsend start perhaps over Clark and just have a little shuffle around the midfield. Um, but I trust in everything Robbie goes with and I think he's probably going to keep it the same. Yeah, of course, as ever, uh, we're doing this before uh, Rob's press conference on Friday. Um, so we're kind of guessing with team news, but the fact that Mengi was on the bench on Saturday would suggest that his injury is not, you know, terribly bad. In which case, would you bring him back after that? defensive performance or would you say to the same team go again you fucked up and put it right I think based on when um, other members of the squad have not had a particularly good game or a good period you think back to Elijah came out the side uh, and had to bide his time coming off the bench Carlton as well yeah I think that, that probably leads me to think that they'd swap out um, Osho for, for Ted and Mengi because um, it was just that 
really it was just a knock. He had an ankle knock on the Thursday before the game, and they were going to look at him before that. The fact he made the squad um, is probably positive in, on that front. So I don't think it's anything particularly bad. Um, but he was, he was just on fire before before then when he was in the side, and um, he was that real leader at the back, which Gabe is. Um, but I think. You know the the mistakes, the two mistakes against Sheffield United, and although he made one against Newcastle as well, but it, it kind of gets glossed over because it was an absolute thriller. And it, even we said you've not got to talk about defenses in a game like that. It's all about the attacking play. So, but um, you know when you're assessing a team that's going to have to come in and stop Man United, uh, you can't you can't be giving away silly stuff like that. And so I I would see that um, yeah, Osho maybe has a rest for this one. Yeah, that's kind of how I would see it. The last thing you need is Rashford versus Osho in that situation. <laughs> you know, after Gordon and after um, Archer, he just you just don't need to put him in that situation, really. To be also, it's a it's a it's a situation where every team's got mountains of analysts. They'll see that and they'll they might target Gabe, and that's the last thing you need, really. If he's um, I don't want to say his confidence would be low because I don't think his confidence ever is low. He's, he's, um, very Which confident. is a great thing about him as well as Absolute, a fan. Absolutely, you know, yeah. He's, he's really confident and he's athletic, so it's not like I don't think I don't think he's knackered or anything. Even though he's you know come in and had to really step up because Lox is not, um, not Lox is not around in the in the squad in the playing squad. So um, I don't think it's anything to do with that. But I just think. This is the Premier League, and you, you just have to be ruthless sometimes. And like, like you said in the Sheffield um, review podcast, I'm not, it's not that we're digging a show out. You can go back on this podcast and cl- clip out all manner of times we've sung his praises, as we have many of the players. It's just that you know, in this, everybody has these dips and rises in form, and that's probably where he is at the moment in a little bit of a dip. Yeah. And it's just little mistakes, isn't it? Because there's actually parts of the game, even in the Sheffield game, where he's doing some pretty incredible stuff. He's beating players, you know, getting forward. And, and you know, I know you put a header just over the bar. But it's just those little mistakes. And if you can't iron those out, then maybe it's time to have a little rest. I think the mistakes are symptomatic of his confidence, though, because yeah. he obviously feels, say for the first goal against Sheffield United, he obviously feels that he can get that ball under control and then set off and get Luton going forward. And it just didn't happen. And I think that's that's where it is because we discussed in that podcast, the last one, that maybe you should just be clearing that out and clearing your lines and punting it long and hacking it clear. And he's not he's not really that sort of defender, is he? He's he's he he has been fantastic since he's come back in the side. He's a very he's he's clearly proven he can cut it at Premier League level. It's just these last couple of games, these things have crept in. And in the same way that it happened to maybe Elijah, you take him out, reassess, and then when he comes back in, he's hungry again. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, that's exactly how I see it. Crikey, yeah, he's, well not, put. he's not a bad player by any stretch of the imagination game, but like you say, there's so many analysts in this league. It's a ruthless, brutal league, that's for sure. Uh, you, Sam mentioned about Townsend maybe coming in for Clark. Do you see any sort of changes in the forward areas, midfield forwards? I do. I was surprised that he's um, been on the bench uh, for the last couple of games because he's been so effective. I mean, not he got on the ball plenty against the Blades, but like the rest of the team, it just wasn't happening. And, and that can 
that can sometimes be a thing in in a football match. So nothing to blame there. I thought Clark was very good for maybe 10, 15 minutes in the uh, Sheffield game. He was getting into good spaces. It was just the the touch and the, the, the ball just weren't happening. And then as the game progressed, and it wasn't only Clark, I'm, I'm not digging him out, that passes were going awry or touches weren't quite right. And if they weren't spot on, Sheffield United were on on you straight away and toe poking it away. And it was just very frustrating. And um, yeah, in the, in the same ways, really done nothing bad, nothing catastrophically bad, but we've got a squad here that uh, the players on there on the bench, you can, you can legitimately make a case of them starting all of them and not, we've not had that for years. Really. Yeah, true. True. No, we haven't. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what team changes are made, whether those two changes get made or whether Rob does send the same 11 out into battle and tell them to put on a better performance. One person who's definitely going to start, Sam, and I promised you in the last one that we would talk about him, is Ross Barkley. Just yeah. tell us, how much are you enjoying watching Ross Barkley in a Luka shirt right now? It's an absolute pleasure. Um, he, he is just stunning. And and it, when when you're there, as, as we're, we're there, you know, most weeks we it's the stuff he's doing off the ball as well and if you if you're ever close enough you can hear him talking constantly he's just you know i know this the song says silky scouser is what we need he certainly is silky and i just think he's great i know that the, there's a debate about should he be playing for england i think he's if you put him in the england squad or, or in the team and you watched him play he fits in really nicely is he going to get picked over the the midfielders they've got? Probably not. But um, but I'm loving him here. I don't want him to go anywhere else. No, me neither. Uh, ooh, no, listen, we've all waxed lyrical about Ross Barkley, but he'll be a big player in this, won't he? Because, you know, they're going to have two deep midfielders, whether it's Maynou and Casemiro or whether it's McTominay or, or even if Ericsson gets a game, whoever it is, they'll have two deeper midfielders. So him and Sambi need to dominate those two if we're going to win this game you would think or if not dominate them certainly get the better of them yeah. um, obviously where we come from you just alluded to the fact he's a scouser so he'll be anti-Man United like all scousers are so he'll <laughs> be he'll be right up for this one he didn't really play much of a prominent role at Old Trafford so this is his first real crack at them as well and it's it's the kind of stage that superstar footballers come into their own on and yeah. that's what we would expect Ross Barkley to do I mean if we think back to when we played Liverpool started the move for the goal didn't he the way he played against Arsenal he scored set another one up City, he against scores. Man City and he, he played really well all of these top sides so you know he's he's going to relish going up against Man United yeah I see him causing a lot of trouble and, and let's you know the reason I've got a sneaky suspicion we, we're going to come away with a town win is because of players like him and because he can really mix up a midfield, he he floats. I, I know he always starts deep, but he's either starting deep and supporting the left or supporting the right. He just floats around. He never seems to be marked properly. And then he, when he goes, he's he's always scanned. He's always checked. He's always got the read, and he creates amazing plays from that. Yeah, he does. Yeah, you're right there. Just my phone going off, mate. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, yeah, look, he's going to thrive, isn't he? You know, this is the this is the stage where Ross Barkley does his best stuff. Absolutely. I mean, he he had a lot of the ball against Sheffield United, and he tr- was trying to make things happen. It was just so congested. He, he when it wasn't happening, when he was a bit for 
further forward, he dropped back, dropped a bit deep to try and pick the ball up. And it it wasn't um, a vintage Barkley performance because it wasn't a very good Luton performance, but he was there trying to make things happen. But he gets a lot more space for me against Manchester United because they'll they'll see him they will see him as a threat but they won't have three players swarming him like, I, I don't see that I don't see that's what man united's midfield are about yeah, you're right uh, that, they won't do the same thing that sheffield united did uh, and again I have to credit them they did that to barkley they uh, did it to chio and then um they crowded out doughty as best they could and then when he did get a space he was no good at crossing for that one so um um yeah I think he's he, when he plays against Man United, there's a there's a big shout that he can do what he did against Arsenal, Liverpool, uh, and and the like because uh, they'll see him as a threat, but they'll they'll see that they've got bigger threats. Yeah, I I agree. You mentioned Geo there. Now we don't exactly know the situation with Luke Shaw at the time of recording this podcast. He went off at half time against Aston Villa and they brought Victor Lindelof on so you wouldn't have thought they're going to take a left back off and bring a centre back on if he's not injured and yeah. significantly injured so if he misses out on this game and we've got Chio down the right hand side and I think it will be Chio because um, Hashioka was sort of a week or two away in Rob's last press conference I actually think we're going to see Hashioka for the first time in that cup game against Man City later in the month I think that'll be the first time we see him if um, if we see him in that game so Chio down that left-hand side. When we went to Old Trafford, Chio had just absolutely terrorised Trent Alexander-Arnold and we were all so yeah. excited at what he could do. And Dallow just basically had him in his pocket. Yes, Chio was slightly injured from that Liverpool game. But if we can get him on the other side to Dallow, whoever that left-back is, whether it's Shaw or Lindelof or whoever they play there, we're, going to, we're surely going to get a lot of joy down there because we only have to look back to the Brighton and the Newcastle games of what Chio can do. And I'm really looking forward to that battle down that that side. Yeah, I think it, I mean, if, it, if it's Lindelof or whoever it is, um, I think he, he if, if you get him going, you get him putting the ball out in front of him like he did against Ward, against Palace, just hit that wing and, and just rinsed him every single time. And that, it just, even if he then has to cut back and lay off to someone. It just has their defence facing their own goal, running back. It has us going through the lines, and it and it makes us just more of a threat. It puts them on edge. It, it lifts the crowd. Everything that he does is all about when he's on when he's on form. is is all about positivity, and I think that's really key. We need positivity when we're looking away from Yeah, we do. I mean, he mentioned it in the sort of chat that you had with him after the game for Sheffield United that you know part of that we're all on. Man United, we can still do great things and he can certainly do great things in this game. I mean, even if it is Shaw, yes, Shaw's brilliantly as a positional left back. He isn't pacey though. So there's no reason why he can't stand him up and whiz past him. But obviously if it's not Shaw, it'd be so much easier because I do think Shaw is the best left back in the country, English left back in the country. Um, but that's got to be an area where we target, hasn't it, down that right hand side, particularly with Dadlow down the other side being so quick. Absolutely. I think, um, yeah, it's if we can get him in any way, shape or form playing with space to run into, which again, they, they might look at and try and stop, but only really um, when he's been fully fit. Those, those You did mention when he was not quite firing because he was fit. Sheffield United did a job on him, but everybody else have, have almost not considered him that much of a, a danger man. And he's... Um, He's shown them what 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 he really is about. I think um, it'd be interesting. I think 
uh, if Chio does play and you get your wish and Sam and Townsend plays, because I think mm-hmm. they've worked really well down there. I mean, the formation yeah. has sort of changed since they were in those days, but they, they did have a good link up. Yeah. And I think that could be quite dangerous. Yeah, I thought they linked up pretty well on Saturday as well. It's just nothing came from it. Yeah. The other sort of area where I think we can get at this Man United side, they don't half piss about a bit at the back, led by their goalkeeper, who, I mean, everyone tells us he's an abomination waiting to happen, but he made that world-class <laughs> save from Morris's header at their place, didn't he? However, he's definitely got a ricket or two in him. So our high press against these defenders and that goalkeeper in particular we should surely have some joy in, in this in this situation. Elijah, Morris, whether it's Townsend, whether it's Clark, whether it's even Chong. I've heard some calls for Chong to mm. play the game. And he, obviously he'll be motivated against his first club as well. But our high press against these defenders who like to dilly-dally, we, we could get some real joy in that area. 100%. The, the, I don't know what it is about teams that, that like to muck around with it at the back, but... When when we press them, it's it's almost as if they've never been tackled before. It, it happened against Brighton. It was it was happening against Liverpool, Arsenal. They just they don't like it at all. And and I think there'll be prime targets for that Man United. Is that how you see it? I mean, Elijah, you know, he does it brilliantly, doesn't he? And you can just see it now, can't you? Maguire or Varane. You know, they take a liberty. Particularly Maguire, he's not the best with his feet, is he? And all of a sudden we're in, aren't we? And I mean, if Elijah, if Elijah's the one that gets the ball off Harry Maguire and goes past him, well, he ain't coming back, is he? And um, yeah, I really do think there's some joy there, Jimbo. I think so. I think there is whenever Luton play that aggressive press, which pretty much is most of the time they don't hit. <laughs> it didn't work at the weekend, but um, it was a completely different game there. I, I think you, you're right. When I, I, There's not many teams I see play it around the back where I think you're not going to touch them I think Man City were slightly like that they were very very good um, but everybody tries to play this style of football and I'm not entirely sure why because it's so risky yeah. um, you know Burnley try it and they just can't and that's but one of the reasons why they're down where they are um, obviously Man United a bit further up the table and will, will, will fancy themselves they've They've got internationals all across the board, haven't they? So they won't be short of confidence, but yeah, they won't have the space to knock it around like they do at Old Trafford. And I think that is another factor that sort of plays into Luton's hands. Yeah, it does. The other one is set pieces. Aston Villa's goal came from a set piece on Sunday. Prior to that, I think Wolves scored one of their goals against them from a set piece as well. You would think with Harry Maguire and Raphael Varane at centre-half so that they'd be good at defending these set-pieces, but generally they're not. And of course, they're missing Lissandro Martinez uh, at the back, who's generally been their best defender. He's out for a while now. And so it will be Maguire and Varane unless they bring Lindelof into the side. So set-pieces are another important part of our play and um, hopefully Alfie's crosses don't hit Hatter's way and uh, yeah. can find, you know, find our players' heads and we can get a goal or, or, or chances from them. Yeah, I think set pieces in every game are massively important for us and, and ultimately when we're getting them wrong is usually a game we lose, isn't it? Um, like the Sheffield United, as we, as we said before, and, and a couple of games previously. But when they're going right, 
our set piece is so dangerous. We don't score from every one of them, but when we're causing havoc in their box, it again creates a panicked atmosphere for them, and, and that's just something we, you know, we're going to galvanise on. Yeah, yeah. Looking forward to uh, the set pieces as well, particularly with this goalkeeper. He's a bit as <laughs> erratic is the term that they use, isn't it? Scatty's more the term that I use. But I mean, you mentioned the way Man City play at the back. They've basically got a midfielder in goal, haven't they? In Edison, the rest of them think they've got a midfielder in goal, but <laughs> he is actually a midfielder in goal with his passing range. Uh, it's ridiculous. Um, anything else? Any other? Any other sort of things that you're thinking about for this game? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's a Kabore's wanting to get back in, but I think I'm, I'm not sure how he does if you're going to play Chio there and if you can squeeze Townsend inside as well. But, um, uh, so I think probably that would be it. I don't think the thing is, Luton didn't play massively badly against Sheffield United, they got undone some mistakes, they tried to play football and there weren't the spaces they were doing a lot of the right things and just not coming off so it's not like you have to make wholesale sale changes I don't think um, it's a it's one to reassess and uh, and think how you can change it up a little bit when it becomes a bit stale like that but I don't think that's what this game is going to be and so I don't think you need to completely changed the squad when they are still playing quite well it's just it was just one of those awful days where nothing went right yeah, agreed. Sunday afternoon under the floodlights. Last time we had one of those was against Liverpool and we know what a great night that was. And I'm sure this one will be equally the same. We will finish the preview as ever with our score predictions. Sam, as you're a guest on the show, we'll let you go first. Uh, how do you see Luton Town v Man United finishing? I'm going to say 2-1 Luton. Yeah, I'm going to say 2-1 Luton and I think we're going to see a goal uh, probably a goal from Morris in open play. Goal from Morris in open play. And I'd love, it'd be very nice if he gets one of those penalties and does the exact same thing again. And, <laughs> yeah. and a third goalkeeper on the trot falls for it. That would be, <laughs> uh, that'd be fantastic. Jimbo, couldn't have been any more spectacularly wrong for the Sheffield United game if we tried. Let's try and do a little bit better with this one. How does Luton v Man United finish? <clears throat> I think karma done me up on that one. So if we're going to try and play karma at its own game, then I'm going to say 7-0 to Man United <laughs> and expect the Luton win. Fair enough. Very good. Don't think it'll be 7-0 to Man United. I hope it's not 7-0 to Man United, that's for sure. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm not really sure how I see this one going, actually. Do think there'll be goals, though. Um, I think we'll take a point. Well, we'd love three points, but a point would be okay. 2-2. Two, two. How's that for how's that for size? 2-2, two, two, Luton 2, Man United 2. So 2-1 two, win for Sam. Let's forget that one. <laughs> and 2-2 uh, two, two draw for me, but I'll be more than happy if we turn out with one of those 3-2 wins that tend to be the case uh, when Luton famous victories come along. We could if have was... our first 0-0 nil, nil of the season. <laughs> we could. It doesn't seem to happen no. around us, but there you go. I was, I was going to give you a sensible answer, and but we always seem to pick the same score, and I was going to go for a Desmond as well. But there you go. There you go. Two two then. Two two and two one. Come on, so. Karma. Let me <laughs> let me down again. <laughs> I tell you, if it is seven nil, the review podcast. I'm will not be, coming back. <laughs> the review podcast I will, will be, not be here. I'll see you later. Yeah. No, I will go and get 
every other guest that I can. Uh, that's for sure. No. Um, so that's our correct scores. Let's have your correct scores. We do keep notes of them. And as always, if you get one right, we will give you a shout out in the review podcast, which will be out slightly later next week for the simple reason that the football match is slightly later next week. Thanks for watching and listening. Thanks so much, Sam, for coming to see us. We really uh, appreciated and had and enjoyed having you on the podcast this week. Oh, pleasure. Thanks yeah. for having me on, gents. It's been really fun. Hopefully we can get you back on before the season ends, or if not, sort of early on next season. I would love to have you back again. Absolutely. Jimbo, thanks for keeping us company as well. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for everyone for your comments. Keep those coming in. Uh, for subscribing our subscriber numbers are going up and we're really grateful to everyone who subscribes as i say slightly different schedule next week so if you have subscribed you'll know exactly when the review podcast drops and of course the preview for the liverpool game which will come hot on the heels of that so podcasts will be coming thick and fast next week uh, as they seem to be doing right now Thanks to the Hightown Club for hosting the podcast, to Sean Grant and the Wolfgang for our intro music and to Ed Smith Creative for all the designs that you see on set. All that's left to say until the review podcast, come on you hatters, be loud and proud on Sunday if you're going and let's get this, let's get three points, get this show back on the road. Everyone in it has got this massive soul. We're looking people.